As we are preparing for Thanksgiving week, I want us to begin to set our hearts. Not only as the Lord said, I want you to turn your hearts to 24. I want you to begin to turn your hearts to the week of gratitude and what that looks like. To some of you, it might be dreaded. And to some of you, it might mean frustration. To some of you, it might mean like, oh man, I've got to be in the midst of people that I don't necessarily want to be in the midst of. And some of you might be looking at the empty seat coming this week. But I want us to hear the word of the Lord as we are leaning in. It's Thanksgiving is not a day on the calendar. It is a lifestyle. Thanksgiving is a lifestyle that we choose to live because we are believers in Christ Jesus. And when you are a believer in Christ Jesus, you refuse to step out of gratitude because you know, as Elder Jeff texted Aaron the other night, uh, if we step out of gratitude, we will step into entitlement. If we step out of gratitude, we will potentially step into entitlement. And the Lord is not interested in what we think we deserve. Because some of us, we think we deserve nothing and he gives us everything. And then there are some of us who think we deserve everything and we get nothing, right? Because whatever you are positioned is, he says, this is what you can handle. And some of you, we, we find ourselves, I won't say some of you, I'll say some of us find ourselves so full in ourselves that we could make everything happen and we don't trust him for the supernatural. We trust him for what we can do and our abilities. And he has given each and every one of us abilities in this room, but he's wanting to break you out of your mold. He's wanting to break you out of your system. That was the power of the creative conference this weekend. And the power of the word was that the Lord has designed you to come out of the box. Amen. He has designed you to break out of the mold that you see yourself in and step into his creation. To step into what he has called you to be. So when the Lord told me a few months ago, I want you to turn your heart to 24. Uh, today, he knew very well that I was going to be preaching the Word of God on this day. I didn't know it until last night. It's the way your pastor rolls. I preach when he tells me I'm preaching, or I say, hey, I have a thus saith the Lord. And I didn't tell him that, so blame him if it's not good. I'm just kidding. I'll take all the blame. If it's really good, you can blame him. How's that? But... I looked this morning and the Lord said, I want you to look at how many days are left in this year. And we have 42 days left in the year, which is the counterpart to 24, right? So I believe that what happens today is actually going to set the tone for the rest of this year. As we are looking at 42, he says, I'm looking at 24. And so what he said to me as we close this year, he said, many of you have walked through the valley of the shadow of death, but you did not fear evil for he was with us. Amen. Aren't you grateful that he's with you? His rod and his staff, they have comforted us. Uh, but he said, when he, when he told me, turn your heart towards it, I want you to begin to look at the last part of 23. 
And with 42 days left, and as we are approaching Thanksgiving week, he said, I am preparing a table for you in the presence of your enemies, not so you can sit down and gloat in your enemy's face, but every person who said you didn't deserve a seat at the table, every person who said you would not be able to provide a meal for your family, every person that, every spirit that thought it was going to go ahead and take you out, and you wouldn't even own a table, the Lord is saying in this hour, I'm about to provide in the place and the, and the lack of, in the, in the lie of, in the, in the mystery part of because he is the God who supplies all of our needs according to his riches and glory and so as we go ahead and get that table out uh, we're going to begin setting it in a moment because I want us to understand often the Lord will say I prepare a table in the presence of but he gives you the opportunity to actually do the work isn't it crazy how God works his very finger could come in this room and handle everything. And yet he chooses to dwell in imperfection. He chooses to use the hands of those who maybe don't feel worthy. He chooses to use your table to set a standard and to make room for his glory. So as we are preparing for this week, uh, uh, let's see. Here's what the Lord said. Christy, I want you to come. Carlotta, where are you at? I want you to come. And where's, let's see. Elder Lisa, I want you to come. Now, here's the beautiful thing. Don't judge my place setting. As they prepare a table. Now, there's no enemies in this room. I want you to begin to set the table according to uh, Psalms 23. In the presence of enemies. And as this table is being set, I want you to begin to picture your house. I want you to begin to picture the table that you will set at on Thursday. I want you to begin to put it in your mind's eye. That as I sat down and feast, I've made it another year, not because I got here, but because he got me here. I get to eat another natural meal, not because I decided to go to the grocery and fix it, but because he said, I've made way to provide for you an escape. I've made way to provide for you to have more than what you would ever have need of in this hour. And there are eight place settings because I prophesy a new beginning over you. Which means by the time next year rolls around, you're not even going to recognize who you are today. Because I've been changed. I've been transformed. Because I've chosen to sit at the table with the Lord. There is a powerful unction in the sour of communion. You all know it seems like every time I preach in this house, it has to do with food. Simply, I like to eat, okay? But it is part of human nature. The moment you leave this house, you're going to go find something to stuff in your belly. And the Lord said, if you will focus on what I focused on, and Jesus had a very powerful food ministry. Everywhere he was, he met their natural hunger and they begin to develop a spiritual hunger. 
The Lord says, if you will meet them where they are in the room naturally. Ah, I'm about to meet them supernaturally. I can only do for you what God will allow me to do. Some of you are in this room and you're mad because I've not come and broken that thing off of you yet. You have a responsibility. Doesn't mean I don't see it. It just means you would only be angry with me if I come to rip it out of you right now. Some of us enjoy the the affliction on the inside of us. Because it actually caters to who we bring to our table. If I stay broken, I can invite broken people to the table and then manipulate them. But when I allow the Lord to heal me, I can invite broken people to the table and allow the bomb of Gilead to begin to flow and nourish and break things off at the table in which the Lord has allowed me to prepare. You did a beautiful job, ladies. Y'all know etiquette. Woo! He prepares a table in the presence of enemies. He prepares, and as he sets the place setting, you see, when we walk into, I remember walking into Aaron's grandmother's house, the first time we ever, I ever met his family, we were dating. This has been a long time ago. I was, what, Ooh, 19? No. Yeah. Oh, wow. Sure. Okay, that's all, oh gosh, it's 19 years old. And he invites me to come to his grandmother's house. And let me tell you something, when we walked in grandma's house, I was met with the scent of Thanksgiving, but it had nothing to do with the food. Your atmosphere matters. And this is a generational message and you'll understand you don't even know what you were doing. We've got the elder and we've got the younger and the importance of understanding. All we walk in is we see the beautiful table, but we don't even contemplate how it got here. All we see is the food set on the spread, but we don't even contemplate how long it took to actually get it to where it is. You see, on Sundays, you come in here, and Wednesdays, you come week after week after week, and you judge the place setting, but you don't know what it took to develop, what it took to nourish. You don't know the behind the scenes. You don't know the fire that it set in. You don't know the stirring up that it took to bring it out to serve to you. In this, I was preaching a sermon, and Jesus in John in chapter 6, he is talking to some people who are following after him. The Bible says that the day before there was an incredible impact made. A table literally in a wilderness place had been set and 5,000 plus were fed and nourished. The next day, the Bible says they were seeking Jesus. And as Jesus saw that they were seeking after him, he said these words in John 6, 26 and 27. Jesus answered them and said, most assuredly, I say to you, you seek me, 
not because of what you saw, but because that you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not labor for food which perishes, but for food which endures to everlasting life. Listen, which the Son of Man will give you because God the Father has set his seal on him. You have to understand that the Son of God has been sealed with the promise that will later come and be engrafted into your life. We're going to get to that in just a moment. But that seal of promise is one that we cannot deny in the hour that we are living in. Everybody just lift up your hands and say, his seal has on, is on me and his seal is in me. And I got to tell you, we see in Luke and 3, when Jesus stepped into the water to be baptized by John the Baptist, John the Baptist showed up on the scene to change the trajectory of an hour. You hear me? He came to change what had been established and brought a new establishment. He said, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Everybody knew that there was a reed in the wilderness that was being shaken by the wind. The voice of one was crying out, prepare ye the way of the Lord. But they did not know where he came from and they could not determine the message and what he was speaking. Preparation is the key to be sealed and divinely kept in the hour we are living in. As Jesus stepped into the water, he prayed and the heavens opened. When he prayed, a dove descended uh, and the spirit of God descended in the form of a dove and the voice cried out, this is my son in whom I am well pleased. Everybody say he was sealed. He was sealed. A seal has multiple definitions. It has a marking that it is classified. Everybody say he's classified. It has a marking proving the identity of. He was identified as the son of God. It was the authenticity that should any other come in my name but don't have the characteristics of who I am and what I carry. It is a fraud. But I've been sealed by the inheritance of God and that seal you can return it if there's if there's something going on that doesn't feel just right that seal I can send it back to the manufacturer and there is an inner working that takes place to fix what's broken amen he was sealed with the promise now here's the thing we see actually that seal of marking that seal see you can go to New York and you can buy a Louis Vuitton on the street. And it can look the same. It can feel the same. Oh, but it didn't cost the same. And there's a difference. One has authenticity and one does not. And many of us are willing to walk the streets and pay the cheaper price without the authentic seal because in all reality who will know as long as I carry it around they're not going to come up to me and digging around to see what's on the inside of me the devil is alive but when they see that Louis Vuitton start busting at the seams identified fake fraud you busting open at the seams. You can't really carry the weight of the content that you are supposed to be able to carry and you're busting and spilling out what's meant to carry.
Jesus was marked authentically by the voice of God. But let me help us today. That wasn't the actual sealant of protection. The same spirit that came upon him, John said, I saw the dove descend and it rested upon him. It remained in a place. Can I tell you the dove wants to remain with you today? He does not want you to just shoo him out when the times get tough and you decide to no longer be covered by the Spirit of God. He says, I want to remain with you now. I want to sit at the table with you in the church and I want to sit at the table with you on Thursday. I want to remain. But that same dove, that same spirit that put the authenticity of the voice of God over Jesus. This is my son. It was the pointer of, hey, pay attention because he's mine. But let me help us today. The true sealant process took place by being led into the wilderness. And we know this story that when Jesus was led into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit, well, Jesus would not test me. I've said this, we have actually been in a testing season. And if you have been in a test, it is simply to bring out of you the genuineness of what's been deposited in you. And a test will reveal how well you've paid attention. A test will reveal the authenticity of a thing. Just like I used a Louis Vuitton bag. Guess who don't have a real one? This girl. I don't even have a fake one, but Edna does have the wallet. I'm just saying all that to say I don't know the testing of that because I don't own it. Some of you do. And what you know is you can put bricks in that bag and it's going to uphold because it is sealed with an approval to carry the weight. So Jesus walks into the wilderness and for 40 days he ate nothing and he was tested. Everybody say, oh Lord, I've been tested. Some of us have failed the test. You know, when you were in school, they do those exams. We all hate exam time. It puts pressure on you in a sense that you're like, I can't sleep, I can't eat because you don't even know how well you've paid attention until what is in you comes out of you. We all have a measure of faith, but we don't know what that measure looks like until it's pressurized. Jesus, for 40 days, tested by the devil. If you are the son of God, it says Jesus was hungry. I want to help you. While the enemy is roaming to and fro in this place, the devil shows up when you're hungry. Do you hear me? He shows up when you're hungry. He shows up when you've been fasting. He shows up when you've determined, I'm going to live my life for the Lord. He shows up when you've been marked with the seal of an anointing. He shows up because he wants you to try to prove his counterpart outside of him he wants you to fall prey to prove your authenticity to prove your anointing to prove how valuable you are as long as you do it outside of God you could do it in your works he said this Jesus was hungry in Luke 3 actually it's not in Luke 3 I think we go into 4 here let me I'll be, I'll be ostracized if I don't get this right she don't even know her word. Hey, 
It's in Luke 4. Luke 3, he was baptized. Luke 3, he was marked with the seal of authenticity. And see, that's the thing. We all want to stay in Luke chapter 3 seasons. We want to leave that water carrying the seal of approval. And everybody know, I am. And nobody wants to take a step into Luke 4. Nobody. Nobody. Nobody in their right mind. Who enjoys being tested by the devil? You a liar if you say yes. Let me help you. You over-spiritualized if you say yes. You probably not even been tested if you say yes. Jesus was hungry. And it's important to stay hungry, but it's also important to know and discern who is actually trying to feed you. It's important to be hungry. But let me tell you something, kings were wise for a reason. They had cupbearers because you never knew when somebody was trying to serve them something that was actually going to kill them and take their authority and their crown. There is an important hour that we are living in. Take heed that no one would deceive you. And when you're hungry, you don't even care who's feeding you. You'll take whatever. We'll go to McDonald's because it's what we can afford where my boys went last night. Because you, when you're hungry, you'll do the quick fix. And you'll know that in the end, you might pay for it. But if I get it now, it's going to take this away from me. It's going to satisfy for a moment. Jesus went on to say to these people who were following, you're not following me because you saw the sign but you're following me because you ate and you were satisfied. He said, you ate and you were filled. Do you know that being filled is as dangerous as being empty? I promise you on Thursday, you're not just going to eat till you're filled. You're going to put yourself in a food coma. And then you're going to take a short nap. And you're going to get up and do it all over again. And guess what? Then you're going to put the leftovers up. And the next day, what you going to do? You're going to do it all over again. Some of us know good and well that we're going to turn that turkey inside out, upside down. And we're just going to keep making food until it runs out. But when it comes to church... When it comes to a conference, when it comes to the word of God, I can only handle this much. Y'all preach too long. It's 1130. We should be headed to the, to the restaurant by now. I can only handle this much because you have not cultivated an appetite for what you really need. We cultivate a natural appetite. Your body knows I'm about to eat at 12. My body starts telling me when I'm hungry. Guess what else will start telling you you need to eat? Your spirit when you create an appetite to feed it. You got to create the appetite. It's not our job. It's not your grandmama's job to create the appetite. Nope, she cooks the food and serves it to you. But when you taste and you see, you know what grandma's house provides. 
You know it. You know it that when you walk in, there is nourishment that's going to sustain you. And then you're going to get sent home with the leftover. These people watch Jesus take little and make much out of it. And 12 baskets left over. I love this story because Jesus also tempted his disciples. Philip said in this scripture of Luke and 6, Jesus tempted him by saying, hey, why don't you go buy all of these people some food? And he did it to test him for he knew what he would do. But Philip answered, we don't even have enough money. Barely, you know, here's what he's really saying. This is Amandaism 101, not Bible. We barely have enough money to feed ourselves. We don't have enough money to feed all of these people. And then all of a sudden, the brother of Andrew steps up. So no, Andrew steps up, Simon Peter's brother, and says to him, there is a lad who has some bread and some fish. And Jesus says, bring it to me. I want to tell you that if you will bring what you are about to serve to Jesus, he will do more with your little than you could in an abundance of wealth. That's what we heard about the Macedonians. They did not give out of their abundance. They gave out of their lack. And when you decide, I don't have enough, Jesus says, thank you for identifying that you are mine. Thank you for identifying that you don't have it in you, but I am the God who is able to be more than enough in your life. He does not want you to just be filled. He wants you to live an overflowing abundance of life. It's naturally, it's spiritually, it's in every aspect that we live. He's saying, I don't want you to just get here and decide, I I don't want any more. No. He says, press it down. You know what you're going to do on Thanksgiving? You're going to go for a walk just to make room. Y'all ain't walked in a year, but you're going to Thanksgiving. It's because you want another taste of what's at the table. Jesus sent into the wilderness by the Holy Spirit to be tempted. And the Bible says that after the, the time of tempting had ended, you need to know there is a date on Satan's authority over you. There is a date. and oh, Satan didn't have any authority. If Jesus gave him the access to tempt you, not because, you know, you, you need to prove that he's God, but he needs to know that you're, you're really his disciple. What's in you? Because what is in you will come out of you. That's why some of us give people the bird that ain't the dove. Because not just your heart will tell on you, so will your fingers. Don't be pointing no finger in the room. Look, if I do, I'm be like, mm, I, don't, I don't throw the finger, but I will throw a hand. Ask my kids. I'd be like, did you just flip him off, mom? Nope, I waved. I waved. I didn't flip anybody off. I didn't throw a solid finger up. I might have said pick one in my spirit, but I didn't do it. 
Oh, all you self-righteous people, get over yourself. Guess what? I don't need anybody to tell me what's in. I'll tell you what's in me. I know what my flesh is capable of, and it is ugly. Jesus picked peculiar people to run with. People that nobody else would have brought in their company. That's why the religious folk were so angry. He eats with sinners and tax collectors. Some of you would not be caught dead at a sinner's table. And most of us have a hard time inviting a sinner to our table. Y'all might have one there this week. And I just want to ask you, what are you serving them? What are you serving them? Amanda Crabb, what are you serving them? I got some stuff to serve. But we need to ask, is the Holy Spirit pleased with my table? Is the Holy Spirit welcomed at my table? Get this, is he welcomed in my conversation at my table? It matters in this hour. Ephesians 1 and 3 tells us in him, you also trusted. Is anybody trusted in the Lord today? He said that because you trusted when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also having believed, get this, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the day of redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Through Jesus Christ's blood, you and I now have an inheritance. And see, that was the factor when I walked in Aaron's grandmother's house when I was 19 years old. I won't even give the year because some of you will be like, my God, you be judging me. But when I walked in there, I, I could have looked with my natural eye and said, well, there's no inheritance here. What do, why do I want that table? You hear me? Because to the natural eye, it was a small cinder block house that was painted blue. It was hot as hell. If you had already gotten saved, you were going to because you did not want to meet the flame that was in that room. It's the truth. But I wasn't looking at a natural inheritance. So many of us have got, got to get our eyes off of the wrong inheritance. And what I can tell you, in the end of this thing, my natural children, I hope that I can leave them an inheritance that's part of being a wise steward over what God has promised us. But what I can tell you, if we don't leave them anything else, I have made it my mission as their mother that there would be a sealed inheritance by way of the Holy Spirit that what I've been given such I will give unto thee. But if I don't allow the Holy Spirit to seal me, how can I expect him to go into anybody else and seal them and let me tell you we walk in and we look at the table man that looks like a great inheritance that's plastic but it looks good and at the end of the day the food eats the same off of it this is why few people endure to the end 
because we see what is put on the table and served. We walk in the kitchen and we take a peek in the pot. But what you got to understand is before the food ever was able to be cooked, it was pressurized. The seal is a marking of authenticity, but it is also a seal to preserve. Everybody say preservation. See, Jesus said, I want you to endure until the end. Preservation builds up a simple factor, and that is endurance. And I just wonder if half the church in America in this hour is filled with preservation to be able to endure. Because what is in us often comes out simply because we've not been sealed. Preservation is defined as this, to keep safe from injury, harm, or destruction. It is to protect, get this, to keep alive, intact, or free from decay, to maintain, to keep or save from decomposition, which means I'm not going to tell you I'm dying inside because there's a preservation that is taking place on the inside of me that when my mind tells me death might be knocking at my door, I understand it doesn't have the ability to decompose the life that is inside of me because I've been sealed. I've been sealed. Somebody just say I've been sealed. Get this, to prepare for future use. Brian, come open this pressurized pot. Now here's what I found out because so many of us in this hour feel like we have spent a year in a pressurized pot and we wonder why. We wonder what is happening. We wonder how this is going to turn out. But I want to tell you the pressure, the preservation has got to come through the pressure. The pressure is what brings the sealant of our life. It is what will keep you when death collides. It is what will keep you when enemy forces are accusing you at every turn. It is the sealant of the Holy Spirit that is your inheritance. I didn't earn it. I didn't get it myself. But by way of the blood of Jesus Christ, I welcome the preservation of the Holy Spirit in my life. And because he loved me, he put me in a pressure cooker. See, Jesus was marked. We all went the marking and the anointing. Very few make it through the pressurization. Pressure, I can say it. Pressurized portion of ministry. Jesus was actually shielded by way of the Holy Spirit through the wilderness process, through the pressure, through the testing. And I want to tell you, that was not the only pressurized place that Jesus found himself. But I want to talk to the people who've been in a pressure cooker. You might as well just curl up and fit yourself inside of that like, a, like you're going to stuff a turkey and put it in. I'm telling you, the pressurization is actually to preserve you. And here's what I know. The moment that I put the water
water in. I put the salt in the ingredients and I allowed the lid to be shut on that thing. It has to reach a boiling point. Now, some of you may say, I feel like I have gone past the boiling point. But what I want to ask you, are you singing yet? Have you reached it really? Because the moment where the pressurization is ready to come out, that thing will release a sound out of it. A whistle will come forth and a glory is up. It's done. Why am I still in the pressure pot? Because you're still silent. I'm still silent. If you're still silent, you ain't done. Hold that lid up there, Brian. You see that little, what's it called? A jiggler. Some of you being jiggle, jiggle, jangle. Do you know what I mean? Some of you, you bopping, but you ain't saying nothing. Some of you, you moving, but you ain't saying nothing. That thing will begin to That's why when all of a sudden Sister Vicky, she's singing the song, I heard the whistle. That's what I knew about Grandma. When the Holy Ghost got her, it was because the preservation was in her. Oh, she had been in a pressure pot, but the whistle of heaven came forth anyhow. Why are they so crazy? Because I'm in a pressure cooker. pressure cooker I'm moving but are you silent that's what I love about the old timer shout it was as younger people are like that's not mm -mm." it's more like because you don't understand the pressure cooker yet But if you remember this day, when you hit it, you will. You will know that the thing that releases the steam, the thing that keeps you, get this, from blowing your lid, (laughs) the thing that keeps the pressure even and the heat from flipping that pot over is when I what that pressure cooker instruction says oh I gotta go let off some steam and watch something I shouldn't be watching I gotta you know go to the gym and prove my value I gotta do all the natural things that's gonna let off some steam in my life when in all reality if you would understand the value of your shout if you would understand that though I'm in the fire I've not lost my song because he's with me I refuse to be silent even though I'm being pressurized I refuse to be silent God's just working something on the inside of me that's why Jesus said it has been written it has been written it has been said because it will take vocalization to shut the enemy out of your life Pressurized. Pressurized. The jiggler. It's time to let the whistle blow. 
we got enough whistleblowers in the contrary. But I'm ready to see the saints of God to understand. Woo! Woo! Oh, that's crazy. That's emotionalism. No, that's me letting off steam. That's me letting the Lord know I'm not dead yet. I feel the pressure, but I'm not dead. He's working in me a far exceeding weight of glory. He's working something that's about to be served up to some of those who need to come and eat at my table. I'm just letting off some steam. Woo! The jiggler. The jiggler is jangling. 20, is this right? Is that 20 pounds of pressure? Is that what that is? Huh? What's on there is 10. 10 pounds of pressure. That little thing can handle. Do you know that the Lord knows what you can handle? Do you know that he will not literally put more on you than what you can bear? Do you know that even though you're put in a pressurized pot, he has a plan, but there is instructions. And when you begin to feel the, whoa, you should not remove the lid just yet. these instructions say if you try to remove the lid too soon you're going to have a very ugly explosion all around and you're going to go how did this happen because you did not read the instructions and then there comes a cool down which means I let off a woo to the Lord and then I shut up because Amanda Crabb oh she's ready to blow the lid on some things but the Lord has said no 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 we would have some uneven heat in this thing right now baby and if you blow the lid on this you're actually going to damage the contents inside the pot but if you allow me to bring a cooling down where does the cooling come from he fellowshiped with Adam and Eve in the cool of the day he said I want to commune with you let my presence bring a coolant over you We get big and bad, Chris, because we think, well, we got the, woo! Now I'm getting ready to go give him everything I got. about to bust the lid off of this. No. Let the cooling of the Holy Spirit bring a settling shalom over you. And while the heat is waiting to be distributed, the Lord says, I, the Lord, will know when the time is right. I will bring it to fulfillment. I have a plan that you don't understand. Oh, but you will. You can't see it yet. But the preservation is not for you. It's going to feed them. Jesus came out of the wilderness after being tested. After with great power and authority. I want to tell you the simple marking of the anointing does not prove anything. 
It's the boiling point that proves everything. It's the boiling point that proves everything. It's the pressure pot. What's in you and the Lord saying, oh, I can do this again. When you allow me to bring the context out of the vessel without damage, because it's going to feed a people, you're going to bring them to the table. I, the Lord, have sealed you, and I, the Lord, will crack the seal on this thing. Oh, but honey, until the fulfillment of time, you're sealed. You're sealed. And let me tell you something, just like, come crack the seal on this. Come here, so one of you, listen. Just like there is a sound in the ceiling Who is worthy to open the scroll? Who is worthy to break the seal? Who is worthy? I got to tell you, there were three Hebrew boys that were thrown into a fire. They sealed the door shut. They turned it up seven times hotter. Oh, but there was one in the fire who sealed them in and put a hedge around them. Jesus felt the pressurization on the cross. Oh, and then they put him behind a shield tomb they failed to identify. That's just a pressure pot. How do I know it's done? The Lord thy God cracks the seal. You will know the sound. Here's a beautiful picture of it. The Lord said, I want you to build an ark, right? In Genesis 6, 14, we know that as the Lord commanded them to build an ark, he, he didn't say just build a boat that looks good. He said, I want you to seal it on the inside and on the outside. He said, I want you to cover it with pitch. I want you to seal that so that the contents of what's happening on the outside does not affect what is happening on the inside because you've been sealed in for a purpose. In Genesis 7, it says that when God told Noah and his family to enter into the ark, he said, you and your family will be protected and you will be a sign to all generation that I preserved you. Whew. Let me tell you something. You're not just setting a table to just feed them naturally. You are actually marking them. I declare that over this Thanksgiving process, that mama, grandmama's daddies, as you are cooking, as you are taste testing, that you actually are providing the secret sauce. You are actually saying, oh God, seal this deal. Seal them in. May the inheritance not be a natural thing that could waste away. Oh my God, may the seal of glory come on the inside of them. And I believe in this hour that as they sit at your table, all of a sudden they're going to take a bite and go, oh, oh. You're just going to sit there and grin because you know the sauce. You know the sauce. You know the ingredient. You know that as you are cooking, you're stirring it up. As you are cooking, you're praying in the Holy Ghost. As you are doing what you want to do to feed them naturally, the Holy Ghost is doing the supernatural. Lift up your hands in this room. 
Let me tell you, the blood of Jesus saved me, but the Holy Spirit has preserved me. And you may feel like you've been seated on the shelf for a long time. Oh, but I believe the seal is about to pop because you've been pressurized, because you did not quit. You released the wall of the Lord, and he is about to meet you where you are. You refuse to be silent, even pressurized. You see in 2 Corinthians 4, he said, you have treasure in earthen vessel that the excellency of the power might be of God and not of yourself. We are hard pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed, always caring about the dying body of Jesus Christ, which in the end gives us eternity on the inside. I've been sealed. I've been sealed. You see, you don't understand me because you're trying to look on the outside and figure me out on the inside. I've been sealed. My woo isn't for the room. It's for him. I'm letting him know. Oh, I'm pressured. I'm pressured. I feel it. I'm pressured. I feel the pressing. I feel the heat. I'm setting into 12. Oh, God, don't turn it up any hotter. Genesis. Enter into the ark. Cover the inside and the outside with pitch as they were set a whole generation will see that the righteousness of the Lord is in you and has kept you all the days of your life it's not an hour to be silent people of God do you hear me that's when the worship team's up here like come on give the Lord no they're trying to get you to blow off steam in the right way because you sat in a pressure pot in this world you in a pressure pot more than any other generation before And how you let off steam will determine whether the lid blows and destroys everything or you remain until the coolant comes. And the coolant only comes in the invitation of the Holy Spirit. Now I want to say this, that as they were in this ark, it says that all living things were destroyed except those who were on the inside. The waters prevailed on the outside for 150 days and it shifts to chapter 8 of Genesis. Isn't it funny how we call the communion table the table of remembrance? You know what chapter 8, 1 says? That after the floods destroyed the earth, everybody stand to your feet. Then God remembered Noah. I believe that as you set the table this week, the Lord's going to remember you. He's going to remember you. He heard your whistling. He heard your cry. He heard the need of deliverance. He sees you in the pressurized place. And I am prophesying. That's when I said set eight at the table because the Lord is about to remember you and your house because you have asked to be sealed by the inheritance of the Holy Spirit of God. Sealed by the power, sealed by the authority. Then God remembered Noah and every living thing and all the animals that were with him in the ark. 
and God made, listen to this, a wind to pass over the earth and the water subsided. I believe there is a fresh wind coming to cool you down in this hour. I believe the wind of God is about to blow. The wind of God is about to bring the pressurization down. The wind of God is about to bring a coolant over your hot shelf. He's about to lower the pressure in your life. I'm prophesying it now because he remembered you in your weak state. He remembered you in the heat. He remembered you in the fire. He remembered you when you wanted to blow the gasket and pop the lid and destroy everything. He said, but oh, you cried unto me. I won't let a rock cry out. For me, I am being pressurized. But why? Oh, I'm in the jiggle. Let me tell you, I've been over there the last few weeks. Man, I find myself shimmering. You know what I mean? I find myself going, oh, I'm about to blow a gasket. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, I feel the wind of God just. Just when I thought I couldn't make it another day. Just when I thought all hope was lost. Here I am, 42 days left into the year, and my responsibility is to turn to 24 and know that he is doing what only he can do. I gotta trust the process. I gotta deal with the pressurized place. I know that there is a wind coming even when I don't feel it yet, but on this eighth, at this eighth chapter, at this eighth place setting, the Lord remembered Noah and his family. I just prophesy that you begin to let out a whistle unto the Lord. Call out your family's name. Say, oh Lord, remember Amanda and her family. Oh Lord, remember Chris and his family. Come on, begin to call it out. Come on, let the pressure out. Let the pressure out. Let the pressure out. Let the pressure out. Come on, get it out of you. Come on, get it out of you. Get it out of you. The Lord remembered. The Lord remembered. We often say, oh Lord, I remember you. Now I'm asking him to remember me. I'm asking him, oh Lord, remember, remember, remember. Come on, let it out. You're still too silent. See, here's what the enemy does. You find yourself at a table of murmuring and complaining. And I'm not talking about, oh, I was delayed and I had to go three detours. I'm talking about you find yourself complaining and murmuring at everything the Lord has asked you to endure and go through. Come on, it's time to let the steam out of the pot. Come on, let it out. Come on, let it out. Let the coolant sustain you. Let the coolant sustain you. Come on, let the wind begin to blow. Come on, begin to shift it. Begin to shift it. He fellowshiped in the cool of the day. If the heat has been turned up, it's for purification. John said, I baptize you with water, but there's one who is coming after me who will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. And the fire sounds good until you realize it's a pressure pot. Fire sounds amazing until... You feel like you're about to blow a lid. 
on. Find yourself asking him to remember. Lord, you've asked me to build a boat. I built the boat. Now he's saying, I want to seal it. I want to seal it. I love this because I was going to call the head of houses. Here in a minute, we're going to take communion. And you may say, well, my husband's not here. I'm not married. That's fine. If you are the head of your house and I want to invite you to come to the altar. Come on, I want us to find a place and say, oh God, remember. You may say, it's me. It's me, oh Lord, who stands in need today. I find myself busy praying for everybody else. But today it's me, oh God, standing in need of prayer. I feel the pressurization of this world. Oh, but in its contents, I sense something happening. Come on, if it's just you, then it's just you. Young people, you might say, my parents aren't here. My family's not here. Then make your way to this altar. Come on, I want every household represented here today. I want every household represented here in these altars today. And here in a moment, we're getting ready to take communion. Come on, as a family, and the head of the house is going to carry the communion, and we're going to take it for the family. We're going to send it for the family. We're going to serve it to the family. Come on, begin to pray. Come on, I've been pressurized. I've been pressurized. Oh God, forgive me for not letting out the sound of glory. Forgive me for just enduring and believing the enemy put me here. All the while I see you've entrusted me to be in the pot. You've entrusted me to be in the pot, God. Come on, come on, I want you to let it out until the whistle comes. Come on, I want you to let it out until the shout comes. I want you to let it out until you feel the woo of the Lord. If you are at your seat, find a prayer partner. Come on, gather with somebody. And two are greater than one. I just sense there are some demons that have been tormenting your house that's about to be expelled, that's about to be gone out of your midst. You may have been in the presence pot. Oh, but the enemy doesn't know the contents. We're just going to serve a people. Come on, come on. Let it out. Let it out. Let it out. Get the pressure out. Get the pressure out. This is the place where the boiling point meets the fellowship. Get it out. Come on, come on, come on. Let him move it in you. Come on, let him move it in you. You're working it, God. You're doing it, God. I couldn't do it for myself, but you, oh God, are doing it. Come on, just receive it. Come on, let the pressure out. Let the pressure out. Let the pressure out. Let the pressure out. Come on, let it out. Let it out. If you are ahead of your house and when you're finished at the altar, I want you to grab a communion cup that is placed at the corners of this altar. 
Come on, they're in the middle and in the corner. I want you to grab it, and I want you to grab enough for your whole family. If we empty the pot, we'll get more. Come on, let it out, because he's sealing from the inside out. And he said to those people, unless you eat of my flesh, and unless you drink of my blood, you will have no part in this kingdom with me. Oh, but there are kingdom people in this room who is saying, I will not let the pot that I've been placed in to bust out the contents of what God put in me. It is sealed. It has been pressurized by his glory. He's keeping me all the days of my life. He's sustaining me. Come on, as you grab this communion, I want you to see he's sustaining me. Come on, he's sustaining me. He's sustaining me. I've been pressurized. I didn't get everything I wanted, but oh, he gave me so much more. Come on, if you've been in the pressure pot, I want you to just begin to say, God, thank you for trusting me. Thank you for trusting me because you're bringing the better out. You're bringing the better out. You're bringing the better out. Hey. Children, you can come and grab communion. If there's children in, yeah, Hope Kids, bring them out. Come on, we're going to do this as a family. And I just want to prophesy that if you are at a table this week, that you are going to invite the Holy Spirit. And simply because you sat down, he's sitting with you. Come on. Come on, Rebecca, I want you to take one to your mother. And maybe she's not able to take it. I want you to take it for her. If you have family members in this place who are not able to take communion for themselves, they might not be in the room. I want you to take their portion. And you begin to claim their inheritance on your, on your word. On your word, oh God. Their inheritance is in me. And it's in you because I have chosen to seal it up. They too will be saved. Family, why don't you come here, Aaron, and the children? Y'all come up here. Come on, just lift up your hands. Do you know what this communion is representation? Asking him to remember us while he is asking us to remember him. It's covenant. It's covenant. It is the shield of covenant. It is the seal of covenant promise. It is the seal of covenant promise over your life. And I want to tell you the pressurization is not the end. We often think that that pressure pot, that boiling point of 212 is where it all ends. It's actually where it all begins. Do you hear me today? It's actually where it all begins. I want you to lead us in communion today. I want you to say that. <laughs> Pastor Amanda was talking about steam. Steam starts at 212 degrees when water hits that. Pressurized steam is 406 degrees. Amen. Just lift your hands toward heaven. Let's position ourselves. God, we create in us a clean heart. Purify us. Anything that's not like you in this moment before we partake of your body. Lord, we do not want to live in your curse. We want to live in your blessing. So, Lord, we just ask that you would remove anything, God, that is of us. God, anything that is our flesh, I pray that you would remove it as we partake of your flesh, as we partake of your blood. God, I thank you, Lord, that as we partake 
God of the body and the blood. I believe and I speak, God, your healing, that by your stripes we are healed in our physical bodies, but also in our emotional being, Father, in our minds. I pray for peace, joy, and righteousness to leave with us. God, as your presence goes before us, God, your goodness and mercy will follow us. So as we lift the body right now, if, you're, if the musicians have family, you're welcome to come up if you want to do that. And, and, and I'll wait for you. I'm so thankful for the body of Jesus that was broken for me. He was wounded for my transgressions and bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was up on him. And by his stripes, we are healed today. Amen. So I want to ask you, as the families are coming, I want to ask you by the lifting of your cup or your hand, however you see fit, and you would just say, I'm ready. I'm ready to take, take his body. I'm ready to take his blood. And if you're not, I want to pray a, 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 a little continued prayer. But if you're ready, just lift your hands, lift your body, or lift, your, lift the body, lift the blood, and say, I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm honored to partake of his body and his blood. So here's what we're going to do. He took the body and he broke it and he blessed it. We bless this moment of consecration that as we take in the body, his body will change our bodies, change our physical conditions, but most importantly, change our will to his in Jesus name. Can we take the body? my doubts you can stay right there and it calms all my fears the blood of Jesus is the fear calmer it's the doubt soother it's the, it's the blood of Jesus that gives me strength from day to day there's no greater melody that, that states the vastness of his blood than one that Andre Crouch wrote. It reaches the highest mountain, flows through the lowest valley, which means it doesn't matter where you are, the blood can touch you. You can be on the mountain, you can be in the valley, you can be in a bad place, you can be in a good place, but it doesn't matter with the blood of Jesus. The blood has the power to transition you, to change you, to keep you, to lead you, to guide you. So, Lord, we thank you for the power of the blood right now. There's power, power, wonder-working power in your blood. And so, Lord, we lift it up to you, God. We ask you to bless the blood that you shed for us 2,000 years ago, plus years ago on Calvary. God, we take this blood and everything that is the representation. This is not just a symbol. God, we know it's your substance. We take it right now, God, and as we are taking it metaphorically, God, we take it in the, we take it spiritually, and we thank you, Father, for your DNA, that in it is everything that we need. So, Lord, I ask right now that as we take it, God, that you would fill every place, as Pastor Amanda said, seal every crack and every crevice, Father, that nothing will be able to get in. The only thing that can operate in us is you, Father. 
And we give you the glory and the praise for your blood as we take it. Can we take the blood? Oftentimes we wonder where the Holy Spirit is. And in chapter 8, that's labeled Noah's deliverance. And I'm grateful that I believe that we are coming into a season of deliverance. That the dove was actually inside the pitched, protected place. And when it came time to know that it was safe for Noah's family, they followed the dove. Do you hear me? The dove was sent out from the pitched ark. The dove was released from the protection and it was the sign that it was then safe for them to come out and I want to say in this hour don't just listen to the raven don't just listen to the crow but follow the dove follow the spirit of God because wherever the spirit of God leads he leads to all truth he leads and he guides to all truth and where the dove went they knew when he didn't return to them that it was safe for them to then put their feet out outside of the pressurized place that ark had been a pressurized place all of those days all of those months but they followed the dove and you better hear me even when the dove leads you inside an ark sealed pressurized place you can trust that if he's with you it doesn't matter what else is in the midst if he's there that's where I want to be if he's exiting I want out wherever he leads is where I will follow. Just lift up your hands and say, lead me, Holy Spirit. Lead me, Holy Spirit. <laughs>